Hello and welcome to the Illumination Cinema Movie Podcast with your hosts, Tyler W. Moore and David Wayne Young. Hello and welcome to the Illumination Cinema Movie Podcast. Today, your host, me, is the good David, the best David, the David Wayne Young David. And with me today is... So he says, uh, I'm Tyler. <laughs> Boy, today is a really exciting one. It really, really is. And I was unsure whether it would be. I, I know that uh-huh. you had your specific feelings. You know, you were like, man, this. I think this is going to be an enjoyable, enjoyable episode. But for me, I was still unsure until I started watching. Um, <laughs> this episode, uh, we had three movies. For the direct to dumpster, uh, what what number are we? What installment of the direct to dumpster? Uh, I think five. I think five. five. Direct to dumpster five. I'm proud to say I've been part of a couple of them now, and um, man, this was this was a treat to say the least. To say the least, uh, we covered three movies. Should I go ahead and name them, or should we just surprise yeah go ahead everyone? and name all three? Name all okay. three. Okay, so. We started with Free Enterprise. We moved on to Inspector Gadget 2. Um, <laughs> and then, as a special treat, we uh, abandoned all genres uh, previous and went straight to The Fanatic. So, um, yes. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I guess like the to to reiterate the qualifications for a directed dumpster episode aren't necessarily like, they don't have to be a bad movie per se. No, no, of course not. I mean, it's it's encouraged it's in <laughs> some respects, but um, it just has to be something that did not at least have like a regular full on theatrical release, right? Given that uh, Free Enterprise was first, let's go ahead and talk about that one. Sure. Tyler, do you want to go ahead and start with your uh, your expectations coming in? So I definitely expected a different movie um, from the synopsis. This was your pick. Yes. And I thought it was going to be like, like a documentary. Like I thought it was going to be like oh, basically – I thought it was going to be a couple of guys harassing – people from star trek um (laughs) and which you know we got kind of in one of our other movies but um so it was it was interesting when it turned out to be a narrative film and yeah i i I didn't quite know what to expect with it that's to be sure but uh you know what we got was kind of a mixed bag i'm not sure yes (laughs) yes that's quite a way to put it. I'm not sure how to categorize it, you know? Like, um, uh, what, what are your kind of general thoughts? What were your expectations, David? I knew that it was going to have Bill Shatner in it. And I yes. knew that he was, at even at this point, his persona under the camera had become a little bit more ridiculous, um, which he's known for now, which, you know, yeah. it's, it's enjoyable. And, you know... Whether or not, whether or not you're um, a Kirk Trekkie, the thing is, he he really does commit to this uh, persona, yeah. um, it, it, in a way that makes you think, oh well, at least it's okay, like because and yeah, it becomes yeah. a, 
you know, it, it becomes a point of contention. I don't think that's ever been the case for him. And yeah. And this movie proves it to me. Um, so I was expecting to see him <laughs> a little more than I did. Um, right. You know, I, I really thought that uh, he was going to be a significant part. I didn't think necessarily that there were going to be a bunch of uh, Star Trek people on it. But I did expect yeah, yeah. him to have a more significant role. It's funny how it played out, you know, for him to still have somewhat of a significant role. Damned if it doesn't remind me of other films. You know, I, at it one point feels, I got Chasing Amy vibes. It, uh, yeah, it definitely, it feels like a Kevin Smith, it feels like a knockoff of a Kevin Smith movie. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it does. Um, this is definitely a movie of a bygone era because it's like, or like the independent spirit was kicking in for everybody because of Clerks and like Reservoir Dogs and El Mariachi. So this is like the anyone can make a movie uh, stage. And this is, like, when the, these nerdy, like, pop culture references would have still felt like inside jokes and, right. you know, and I feel like it probably would have been less annoying back then, maybe. Maybe. Uh, obviously, because, like, this is, th this is the difference between, like, early, like, early Family Guy when, you know, when, when like, oh, this is, like, this is different. Uh, mm -hmm. not everybody does, or like, you know, even the Simpsons where it's like, there's, there's jokes scattered throughout, like as references to movies or whatever. And then like, you get into like later hell family guy or Simpsons and it's like, everything is references and yeah. it's, it's just like, it's so stupid. Like you're, you're like, yeah, huh, I've seen that before. I, they, they forget to put a joke in with the reference. Right. I, I did dig that uh they fully committed to a lot of these references like it wasn't just for um a quick play-by-play -play. it was that yeah. all of a sudden um it, you know and not so much a spoiler alert but it is far along i think if i remember correctly into the movie i mean you know um, we they do mention... spoilers for these movies <laughs> right you know they mentioned logan's run early 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 on um, yeah, you yeah. know they're like blinking red palms. I'm like, okay, I think I remember what they're talking about. And then th it's more and more heavy-handed. Yeah, I talked to the kid about Logan's Run. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And so <laughs> I thought it would go over the top, and then it it pretty much ended right where it needed to for that reference. Yeah, with a reenactment of the scene somewhat. Right, right, um, right. Using the two main characters as uh as your stand-ins, and it was. It was good fun. Um, yeah, that was tasteful. But like you said, it did border annoying um, quite yeah. a few times. And I think it's because it doesn't age well. I mean, this is... Well, I, I think it's a symptom of, of more recent sins, you know? Like, sure. people who have done it, like, so much worse now and have made it annoying. Right. I mean, like, watching... Like, again, I've, I think I've said this a million times on this podcast, but, like... Seeing a movie with Star Wars, like seeing a Star Wars movie with Star Wars fans is just like a painful experience because yeah. every, you know, obviously they're going to have a million Easter eggs in there. And like the second, you know, they walk on to the Millennium Falcon, uh, everyone's like, oh, it's that thing. Oh, it's that thing. It's that thing. Like, you know, like, right. And it's like, okay, yeah, no, I get, yeah, guys, we're all, we're all appreciating it. Can we do it quietly? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, you're probably right. It's probably more a product of the fact that 
people can't keep their mouth shut now rather than the fact that it was distasteful at the time um yeah and you know uh, another thing that i'm actually uh, you know i i made this note probably about four times (laughs) because i thought i hadn't already and that i was thinking it the whole time but i went back and you know there it is four times the writers feel like um they want to prove that they're cinephiles you know like yeah this is like hey i know movies by the way this (laughs) um i had this same feeling watching true romance which is like oh uh, sure those who don't know uh it's like pretty much tarantino's like first screenplay like first real screenplay watching that movie reminded me so much of my first feature uh which wasn't nearly as much of a check it out i'm a cinephile type movie but like like just the beats reminded me so much but like again like throw this movie on the pile this feels like someone's first feature screenplay and looking at the like imdb credits at least it's it's one of the guys first credited and it's the other guy's second credited screenplay so it's sure. like i'm i'm betting it's like you know it's it has all the makings of it like oh the guy finds the perfect girl for him like you know it's got all these like references to like things are, that are important to them like and to the industry all, like, don't forget you have to be yeah, in the industry course. for your first feature yeah exactly which <laughs> kind of gets into uh probably my biggest qualm with the movie which is it feels um like a lot of the threads feel like they don't progress throughout most of the movie i really thought like this like the late second act was going to be them making a movie and I guess run down to the story because probably no one's ever seen this fucking thing. Um, <laughs> maybe Hopefully. we should do them a favor. Right. So basically, um, a group of nerdy guys, they're they're working in the film industry out in L.A. And, you know, they meet uh, William Shatner. And they, they, have little, that, they have little interactions with him. Our main character, whose name I forgot. Um, Robert. He, Robert, yes. Uh, Robert, he gets dumped by... This uh, smoking hot uh, girlfriend he has, <laughs> who takes his who takes his star uh, his Star Trek ornament away from him, and he gets really mad about it. Uh, and then he's at a comic shop, and he runs into a girl. He just can't, and he can't fathom the idea that a girl would be into you know anything that he's into. But you know she comics. is. She's she's including comics. You know, so she's like, yeah, she's all into Star Trek. She's all into to comic books they uh so they hit it off they're having a good relationship and then all of a sudden they're not because uh, he doesn't have a job or he's not going to work that's what it is so he doesn't have any money blowing like all of his friends money to take this girl out basically and so yeah no i figured it was going to like he was going to make a movie he was gonna like you know do something like he was gonna do something for himself to better himself and that would that would be the thing that wins over the girl. Instead, no, he kind of just keeps on drifting and uh, winds up with her anyway. Right. Um, he doesn't really have much of an arc. No, that's true. And the other thing, I mean, you you have other opportunities creatively. I mean, we of course mention 
that they meet William Shatner. Um, yeah. He brings up a lucrative opportunity, you guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he wants to make the musical version of William Shakespeare's and William Shatner's Julius Caesar. With um, him playing all of the parts. With him playing all of the parts except Calpurnia. Right. Because, <laughs> That's right. Because that would be ridiculous. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and you know, I, I had to wonder, okay, this is how the movie's going to play out. Because this is, like, right before we meet the girl. And then, you know, because yeah. I, went, I went into it not reading any log lines, any synopses, you know. I, I watched a, a a clip and that's it, you know? So, mm-hmm. and it was one with Bill in it. So I figure, okay, it's going to central uh, or centrify, whatever. It's going to center around Bill uh, yeah. and his interaction with these two people. So I figured, all right, our, our arc is going to be that they make this fucking god awful musical with Bill Shatner. And yeah, that would have been a better happen. movie. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't happen. Um, even the movie that Eric McCormick's character, forgetting his name right now, pitches at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, the the Brady Killer. Brady Killer, thank you, yes. <laughs> it's still god-awful concept. And you're like, okay, okay, I want to see this guy fail at this. I really do. And it doesn't happen. Right, yeah. <laughs> you really want to see him fail at it. Doesn't happen. And, you know, it's... Yeah. It's... it's you know, uh, yeah, he like kind of just sits feels... around and complains. Yeah, he sits around movie. and complains about turning 30. It, it just feels put upon, almost. Right. The narrative feels a bit too derivative. I, I felt at times like I was watching a movie like Chasing Amy or something. You know, the right. oh, like you said, the, oh, he finds the perfect girl, but can't make it work. And then he does. And it's like... A good version of that movie has him earning that. I don't feel sure. like this movie ever had him earn that. Right. Uh, the flaw that they both have, Chasing Amy and this, is that they, neither of them earn it. <laughs> yeah, like, there's just so many logistical leaps. Because, you know, he's, yeah, he's borrowing, you know, probably hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. He owes from the guy 1500 uh, That's right. Yeah. And then, it, like, that was before he, like, like pays his rent and his electricity bill, too. Mm, right. So uh, Robert, he's like, yeah, he's racking up all this, all this debt to his friends, and like at the end of the movie, and uh, he takes because they're, they're supposed to go see Wrath of Khan, uh, and then he takes them to the studio he used to work at, where he uh, where he has a big surprise party for him. Now, how did he pay for the surprise party? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like he never like you know he like at the the very end of the movie like you know credits rolling over it like they they are making a movie at that point but right. like yeah like they, they never like they never he never makes a ch- a real change like you know he he commits to something but he doesn't you know he doesn't change uh, like like we were saying with kind of like what we thought the movie was going to be I ended up enjoying the first half of the movie a lot more because I thought because I was thinking of what it could be. Right. So they have which I thought so I didn't understand what was going on for a little bit because I didn't realize like when they showed the kids at the early parts of the movie like that that was them. 
Uh, I kind of figured it out once we kind of saw the the group again. Like, oh, okay, this all yeah, that kid's that guy. Okay, um, right. but they have two little separate incidents where uh, the younger versions of them see William Shatner as like you know as like their uh, as like the as like the angel on their shoulder. Basically, <laughs> I did I did laugh at one part where uh, the kids like in a fight. I think it was I yes. think it was young Robert. And uh, he's like, oh, you know, violence is never the answer. And he said, he said uh, Han Solo was cooler than Kirk. <laughs> and he goes, like, Go kick, kick the little fucker's ass. ass. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot more setup for humor and a lot more slapstick uh, sensibility in the early right. half. It's um, a lot more payoff which, to their humor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's that too. And, you know, there are still moments um, like when when William Shatner goes up to this owner of a club and tries to hit on her and does everything absolutely wrong because he's just a little too drunk. That um, did make me laugh. Yeah. yeah. No, that was like that was so over the top in terms of uh in terms of slapstick that it actually made me laugh. Right. Yeah. And you know, the thing is it's it's right at the moment where, you know, you're supposed to be um, kind of feeling for Robert the most, you know, yeah. he's, I think that it's, it's well placed if we felt more for Robert, because there was something that he was actually earning, like you said, then I think it would have yeah. stuck, uh, a lot more, um, because that kind of timing, it, you, you can't fake it. Like that's, that's good timing. It really is. But you just, you have to do everything else, right? All the other arcs need to be in place. Um, yeah, there's there's a point at the end of the movie where he says, "You risk everything to follow your dreams." Or uh, no, uh, she's uh, his his girlfriend says that to him. Right. You risk everything to follow your dreams. When? Yeah, his money. That's it. <laughs> well, yeah. All he does is risk his money. <laughs> he he, he risks his, his friend's money. His friend's money. <laughs> it's yeah, like the the second half of the movie definitely devolves into them just complaining about a bunch of things. Yeah. Like. It's, it, it, it just kind of becomes like it, we just settle in on their dialogue, which is like, you know, I don't I don't like it when people say because like movie dialogue is obviously obviously different from, you know, how we talk in real life to begin with. But this was this was just straight up. It was supposed to be casual. And it, I just kept thinking nobody talks like this. Yep. Nobody talks like this. This yeah, feels like it feels like an episode of Big Bang Theory or something. Like I was going to say Gilmore, Gilmore Girls, but nerdy. So, yeah, you, you're right on the dot. These are the guys who bully Star Wars actors on Twitter. Like, mm, yep, it's like I don't I don't like them. They're unlikable, which is sad for me because I they could have been. I, I like Eric McCormick's work. I, the one last thing I really want to talk about from the movie is uh, is the is the rap number, <laughs> and how yes uh, at the at the very end and how William Shatner just looks so confused throughout the entire thing. Like anytime he's not performing, like if it's just like a wide shot and like you know he's like <laughs> dancing around you know, uh, dancing around like a old white guy on stage, he just looks like he has no idea where he is. <laughs> It was probably accurate. I could be recording an album right now. <laughs> I could be recording a Christmas album right now. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, I I bought Tyler a gift 
a couple Christmases ago. It was a the gift of song. A gift of song, indeed. It was uh, Bill Shatner's Christmas album, and boy, is it wondrous. Yeah, we listened to it while we decorated. That's right, uh, we did. We, while we, yeah, for uh, Wish You Were Here, we had a little Christmas scene, and we decorated the house while listening to the William Shatner Christmas album. I think we listened to it twice through. That's right, we did. And then that was enough. That was enough. <laughs> that was enough for a good two years, and now he needs to... Bring it back out and listen to it again. Well, next time. Next yep, time we're decorating. Right. Next time we're decorating. David. Yes. What are what are your final thoughts on this movie? Uh, my final thoughts are that uh, the, the first half, like you said, is more thoroughly enjoyable. There are bits and pieces of the second half that still work on their own. But overall, it's cumbersome. And uh, yeah, it could have been a better movie if it was a better movie. So yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna give it a five. Okay, um, for me, you know, I just it was kind of directionless. I didn't like the characters. Uh, like you said, it could have been a much better movie. It had a few funny moments here and there, but I'm gonna go ahead. And I'm gonna land on a four. Okay. Well, on that note, I think uh, it's time to move on to the the movie that i enjoyed even less <laughs> all right inspector gadget 2 inspector gadget 2 that's right i've never seen this movie before i had seen the first one in the cinema uh when it when it came out uh and i have not seen it since Fair enough. i remember the mcdonald's toys better than i do the movie um because you could put them together and make a like a like like a twelve inch Inspector Gadget action figure when you put them all together. It was pretty cool. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, I think I think that's like everyone who remembers those. It's like one of their like, oh man, I want to get fucking all of these things. Like, uh, but enough about the Happy Meal toys. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember thinking, huh. This came because like that was in 1999. This was in 2003. I remember thinking, "Huh, that this came a little late," and right. obviously all of the actors are different except for uh, the gadget mobile. Apparently, yep. that's the that's only correct. one that remained the same. Uh, what, uh, what what's your experience with this movie, David? Well, um, unlike you, I have seen both. I actually have. Um, I I remember Inspector Gadget fondly. And I remember sure. thinking to myself, I don't remember that much of IG2, um, but I do know that it didn't make it to the cinema. So why not yeah. try that? Um, and, you know, I didn't remember necessarily that I had watched it, watched it until it came on and certain things sure. started ringing a bell. But um, I did not remember it being so. Yeah, yeah. Well, the opening scene really, uh, really set the stage for me, at least. Boy, does because it! Because our main, like, our main character is an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like he, like yeah, he, like he. The opening scene is like all crime. Like he's taking care of all crime in the city. So he pulls over an old lady for going point three miles per hour over the speed limit, and uh, like ends up, you know 
causing like he like I mean he he ends up committing more crimes in the process of pulling her over than you know she ever did. So right. it's like okay, like this is it's just too much. It's too much, and um, I I thought it was funny that it was the uh, like the the chief of police's. Uh, mom that he pulls over like sure yeah uh like nice they got the whole running gag yeah 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 they got the whole running gag with it. like he just keeps kind of kind of screwing that one particular pretty much the one guy he shouldn't <laughs> screw over is is this guy right uh, and he keeps doing it i you know i do appreciate how much it is like the cartoon but they're like a lot of the jokes are just really like derpy like I feel like, you know, he just boinks and bangs into a bunch of stuff. And I really, like, I can't get over how much I hate his face. Yes. Like, yep. he, he, like, he doesn't sound like, because like, he's trying to do, like, more of Inspector Gadget's voice. I don't know how much, like, Matthew Broderick did it. Um, uh, he but just sounded like Matthew Broderick the whole time. That's what I figured. Yeah, yeah Matthew mm-hmm. Broderick isn't talented enough to you know do something outside of that. Um, but <laughs> uh, this guy, like, he doesn't sound like Inspector Gadget because uh, you like you, you like you think of Inspector Gadget. You know, you think of the the voice like this. You know, like you know that that type of thing. This guy sounds like he's doing a Doctor Evil impression. Uh, and he looks like he looks like Jim Varney. He looks like he's doing like an earnest bit. Like he totally does. It's 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 annoying. I like French Stewart he, is his name. He's, French Stewart. Yeah. yeah, he's been in other Very stuff, but I can't place him right now. Like it, it's really frustrating because I was like, boy, I I know I've seen him in something else, but I was so distracted by how bad the movie was that I forgot to look him up again. Yeah. No, I I was unimpressed with his portrayal. Here's another thing about that opening scene, especially that, like you said, sets the tone. Um, the the effects of this movie. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, you have to imagine they have probably a tenth of the budget they had for the other. But right, like so many other movies that used computer generated imaging of any sort uh in the early years of the 2000s um this also does not age well you know from from the opening scene even you have a mechanical arm that's like you know i mean it it looks like it was built in autocad without any matting yeah his um his his head is like bouncing around when he's like he's like uh looking around with like his neck extension mm-hmm. it's like his face wouldn't be made of rubber <laughs> like his head would still pretty much be intact it would just right. you know the 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 neck would be slinking around like it's just like it's it's all of this weird like squash and stretch that you don't like again like they're trying to make it more like a cartoon but it doesn't fit there are parts that you know they're passable um yeah sure like, like uh scrubbing the toilet when he yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, spins. Yeah. yeah. And like yeah, there's there's moments where like where the the CG isn't necessarily good, but it works. Like it gets the point across. Like right. um I think the the part where uh the new uh, Inspector Gadget G2, um the the female gadget is like when she's fighting some of the guys, like there's a part where she splits in half and 
Like, oh, again, sure. it doesn't necessarily right. look good, but, like, you know, it gets the point. Like, it's like, oh, you know, she can do all these things that he can't, and he's, uh, and, like, you know, uh, and she's basically totally eclipsed his abilities. Right. And there's just other parts where it's, like, it's it feels so unnecessary. It looks, it looks like a cartoon when it should, it should be a, it should be, there should be a happy medium. And there isn't one like it just feels like they were animating for a cartoon, but it was for a live action movie. Right. On another note, um, because I was reminded of this, uh, however, indirectly, um, our Dr. Claw is also a bit of a cringe fest. Um, yeah, very under. I was going to say he's very underwhelming because yeah. obviously, I mean, it's not it's not he's Rupert, no Rupert Everett, Everett. The first yep. movie. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say. But. Like they're go. I like again. I like that they're going with the we don't see his face. Uh, sure. Uh, aspect from the cartoon. At that uh, point, I don't understand why they didn't get Frank Welker to do the voice. Like, why didn't they just have like you know the 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 classic like or at least like deepen this guy's voice? Like, it wouldn't have been hard. Yeah, they didn't at all. Yeah. It. It. So it just kind of comes off really, really underwhelming in terms of I am our villain. Oh. Like a a little kid was doing a deep voice behind a yeah. hood. You brought up the toilet scene, and that that made me uncomfortable. I I, I just was... I thought of uh the fact that you know when he was spinning, it looked more passable than like yeah some of the other CGI no, I can, stuff. That's... I can agree. I can agree with that. But man, no, the it just like I I just wanted to stop watching when yep. that was happening. Yeah, it's just like I don't want to see. Inspector Gadget, go inside of a toilet. Like, they're yeah. The thing is, I think they thought they knew their audience. I think they yeah. did, but live action Inspector Gadget from the get go, as soon as it was released, it had a slightly different audience than yes, it's all kids. So the for the sequel to be so far removed from what you've already established is is disappointing because even if you were getting back to the cartoon's roots um yeah you know it's just it's you're not reaching the same audience as the cartoon did i mean there are people adults who enjoyed the matthew matthew broderick one and came back and you know yeah would have been sorely disappointed for that you know right new movie they just picked up <laughs> uh man the product placement in this movie is uh like it's weird because it feels like it feels like they were going for it but at the same like there's there's things that are very blatantly facing towards the camera like there's a dunkin donuts box there's one point where uh he literally he's like oh it's time to look around with my supersized drink and fries from mcdonald's uh the mcdonald's food stand uh <laughs> over here in the science expo you know uh, that they did with mcdonald's though and and we can you know i can face it directly towards the, the logo directly towards the camera like uh I, yeah i don't know like it, it feels like it feels very non-committal in a lot of ways but then in other ones it's like it, there's there's yeah full because it's like how much product placement can a direct-to-video movie really do that sure and, like how much would it really do for the companies what it tells me if you know, if you're going for that, is that whoever did the research for McDonald's that year, they didn't do enough. They were like, oh, it's Inspector Gadget. Of course it's going to make money. 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. that's the problem there. You're not doing your research. Oh, direct to vi- No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um I will I will say this in terms of characters. I'm really glad that G2 wasn't an asshole. Yeah, or that Penny uh was actually useful. Yeah, yeah, like and also, you know what? I'll give this movie a little bit of credit. Um I liked the ending with Gadget giving uh, recognition to Penny for everything that she did. Obviously like that's a that's a gag in the in the cartoon is that like, you know, Penny and Brain solve the solve the, you know, whatever the case is and then Gadget basically stumbles into it and, you know, ends up looking like he solved it and right. he has no like just completely unaware that Penny did all the work. Um but no, I really like that, you know, she actually like, you know, she's complaining about you know, not getting to be involved throughout the movie, and it actually pays off. Like, another movie like this, she'd be like, ugh, why can't I be a detective? And then she'd, like, you know, fucking, like, she'd be the one tripping over stuff. Oh, I found a clue! And, like, that, that would be right. about, like, all she does. But, yeah, no, I mean, it, it actually delivers on all of that. You know, I, I do appreciate that, like you said, G2 wasn't an asshole. Yeah. At the same time, I felt that I don't know. I felt she was pointless. I mean, she wasn't in the movie enough. Yeah, why include it at all? And they're like, "Oh, you know what? It's because Inspector Gadget has to have, you know, some romantic tension, some regular tension. He's got to have something." I'm like, "So why not do that?" <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, it's... and the thing that. The thing that's so upsetting to me, too, is, mm-hmm. like, we get to the third act when they have to start working together, and the whole point is, like, Gadget has all these glitches, uh, and then, you know, G2 is the newer model. She's all, like, in perfect working order, and at the end of the movie, because, I mean, like, that's, you know, that's the whole thing. Like, Gadget's outdated, you know? He, right. um, you know, he, he's not he's not useful anymore, so... Uh, but at the end of the movie, when they're working together, uh, she gives him one of her chips and he like, all of his stuff starts working. It's like, number one, she should be like, if that's enough for him to be in perfect working order, she had two chips as well. Like all of her stuff should be working. Then, like, I mean, like she's like, she's also just a better like crime fighter in general and she like she uses the glitches to her advantage uh which which was good but um it's like it just made me think well why the fuck didn't you just make a couple extra g2 chips and give those to the first gadget asshole Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was planned obsolescence this is this is what they're talking about man this is the the fucking conspiracy Uh, we're on to you apple there's just points where gadget's just goofing off while his niece is about to explode Yep. <laughs> like uh at one point when she's like been kidnapped uh like they they stop g2 with a huge magnet uh but dr claw with his fucking claw is able to walk past the magnet just fine i guess it's made out of plastic i don't know um well keep in mind I- there are only three metals in the world that are magnetic so Oh, maybe he has yeah maybe he has the one that isn't the z- uh, yeah he must have zinc or something man Exactly. <laughs> um, and why is this movie's idea of bubblegum 
like this <laughs> like the gooey fucking pink fucking... goo. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, when have you ever seen bubble gum that's pink goo, bro? It, it's chewed bubble gum. He's got some ABC oh. squirting out of his. He's got some ABC gum, bro. For those of you at home who have never heard the term ABC, it's already been chewed. So at the end of the movie, he gets together with G two. They're, uh, you know, they're they're in love. Forgot about Brenda. Um, I guess. Brenda. Yeah, from the first one. I guess he's all over her. They didn't even mention. Oh her. yeah, I. Uh, but man, I guess she ran huh. off, ran off with um the real Inspector Gadget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is. Little did we know, like maybe they, uh, maybe they fucking killed the Matthew Broderick version, right? Here's my fan theory, and like they just put the like memory chips into this far inferior <laughs> version of Inspector Gadget. Why didn't they just start the movie like that? <laughs> they literally right. could have done. I mean, you know, they recast everybody else, so it'd be hard to. Like, you might as well just, you know. Ignore it, but a Truman Show version of the. But uh, my question was, uh, yeah, but she got a working pussy though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) working as in, is it glitching or working as in? (laughs) What kind of probably is? What kind of uh, what kind of glitches does it have? (laughs) Two face. I mean, not toothpaste. Uh, it's some, all uh, some bubble gum. <laughs> that's what I meant. Now that's a sticky situation. <laughs> I said toothpaste because that's what it reminded me of when I saw the bubble gum. I was like, yeah, oh, it's, it's like, like bubble gum toothpaste. flavored toothpaste. Yup, yup. But uh, I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts on this movie, David? Final is just such a strange word, isn't it? Um, I have thoughts and they will pervade forever, but no, um, I don't want to share anything else if that's what you're asking. Well, what's your Jamie rating then? Oh, this is a three solid three. Oh, wow. See, okay. Uh, when you said, because here's the thing, um, for me, it's a little silly and it only could have existed in the year 2003. Uh, but I do feel like it's kind of just a harmless kids movie. Like it, do, like while it's stupid, it's not like, like I don't think it's gonna make kids dumber for watching it. Like that type of thing. That's fair. Um, but I found it tedious, and that's my. It is tedious, and I, and I didn't enjoy watching it. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it more for what it was than I did Free Enterprise. Um, so I gave it a four point five. Like oh, okay. at its worst, it's a four point five. You know, like sure. Let's move on to the last movie. Sure. Yes. Uh, this was your pick, actually, Tyler. Yes, it was. Um, do, um, you, do you want to start with your thoughts, your expectations? Uh, Scott told me about this movie. And, oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he had seen it at all. I think he was maybe suggesting it as like a, as like a potential future like torture podcast movie or something. Sure. Because. Like the reviews for this were abysmal, and you know, I, 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 I watched like I think I watched like a couple. I think he showed me a couple clips, and I thought, wow, this looks really bad. Um, and then obviously hearing, well, it's like John Travolta's career has done nothing but go downhill over the last few years again. Poor guy. 
yeah, poor fucking guy. <laughs> um, that Scientology isn't helping him out. So, so like, you know, it was that plus like hearing that Fred Durst was the director. <laughs> I just thought, wow, like I gotta see this thing. I, uh, I think he, he ended up sending me a couple reviews and I mean, they were dogging all over this movie. I will say I, it's not as bad as I expected it to be. Same. Yep. I agree. It. I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised by this. Very. Um, I thought it was going to be abysmal, and I didn't even read the reviews. I was like, okay, I can picture what it's about already, and it's really hard for me to swallow. So let's watch it. <laughs> it's definitely something, because I, I, I expected a movie cuz like obviously like the movie is about like John Travolta is this is this guy um I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be autistic that's what it seems like he's got a few tics um yeah 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 and honestly like I think a lot of people criticized him for that one he does a good job like he I he think so too acts, I he he acts like and I I think I'm I'm pretty sure I I might be wrong about this. Don't hold me to it. Um, I think his son was autistic. So, mm. like, he has that to base Draw it off on. of, if anything. Sure. If I'm right. If I'm right about that. Um. <laughs> Even then, you're an actor. It's your job. You know? Yeah. And yeah, no, I was going to say. Yeah, no, I was going to say. Yeah, no, I was going to say. Because you already know this. Um, you know, I have family members that have been trained to work specifically with special needs kids of you know right right and so um kids on the spectrum is actually one of those um you know and and they they range in functionality just like you know some of these some of these kids are savants and you know i i see i see a little bit of that in john travolta's character because you know Although he's got the tics and he's got a, re- a really a big problem with specifically socialization and rationalization yeah. of social cues. Um, what what he lacks there is significantly boosted by his, um, you know, we can see his like recollection for movies and his, you know, like, right, yeah. I mean, that's his n- niche, so to speak. And yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting to see that because I think a lot of people don't color that part of yeah. autism. Um, they they just say, "Oh yeah, well, they're like weird and stuff, right?" And it's like, it's no, like when you see autism portrayed in films, it's either like you know they're like on the low functioning end, or they are like you know they're like fucking geniuses, like mm-hmm. uh, like uh, um, I guess like the other like an example of that would be like the accountant okay mm-hmm. and it's like that's that's not necessarily like a bad portrayal either i guess but depending on i mean that that, that could depend on who you ask i haven't seen that movie in a while but um like but looking that's at severity kinda what, yeah yeah like yeah that's 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 the kind of other like high high end um but real quick just to kind of finish, i started the synopsis and i didn't finish it um oh, so sorry so he plays this guy and he's yeah he's he's obsessive about horror movies and uh just kind of films in general and he's going to a signing event with this apparently big horror actor the guy's uh, kind of a jerk to him because i like because and it, it's it's because he was pushy towards him uh, well, and that, he was triggered uh, Travolta, by his ex-wife. Right, yeah. Uh, Travolta's character's named Moose. Um, 
and the celebrity's name is Hunter. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they, uh, uh, like, yeah, so M- Moose is kind of like, I mean, he, he like literally follows him out to like where he's having a conversation with his wife uh, about like, I think, uh, custody with his kid. So it's like, he, like he, he's definitely in the wrong, but uh, also Hunter is an asshole to him. So right. basically he kind of becomes a stalker uh, for him and unwittingly. like unwittingly, like, you know, in his mind, he's trying to like. Well, after that event happens, he, uh, he writes him a note (laughs) and he, uh, he starts apologetic and then like scraps it and decides you were mean to me. I did not deserve that. (laughs) Like, and, uh, and it, it really, it escalates from there to the point where Hunter's all bound up and uh, might be killed. From what I was told, I was expecting... I was expecting, yeah, like a lousy performance, but I mean, like for real, this guy, uh, this, this character that he's playing, he reminds me of so many people I've seen at comic cons. Oh damn. Yeah. This is the genuine article. Like I've, you know, both running a booth and, uh, being in lines. Let's let's run back the track a little bit and not to say that every single person at a comic convention. Oh yeah. No, no. is is just automatically <laughs> yes. on the spectrum and not that that would right. be bad either but you know it's right. it's just you you notice certain things about the fanatic personality yeah that exists within this character i'm also betting that a lot of the people i run into aren't uh, on the spectrum and they are just <laughs> kind of socially awkward people <laughs> um more more so than anything but um Hell, I'm guilty. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I mean there there were some there were some real characters that, uh, especially uh, Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. Uh, but but hey, come to our come to our booths, guys. I won't <laughs> I won't make fun of you. I promise. Um, we'll mention you in the next podcast. Yeah, well, yeah. If you if you act like a real freak, I'll <laughs> talk about you on the next podcast. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, portrayal <laughs> was one of the things that I, I was wowed by. I really was. Um, yeah. You know, I I remember even seeing, um, you know, the whatever the fucking bro's name was that, you know, was on the streets, like, doing cocaine and, like, earning money. And yeah, this, yeah. Like, I mean, even his performance, like, I've met those people. Totally yeah. met those people. I've met the unwitting asshole who i mean he he threatens you because he feels threatened i've met you know like these people felt very real yeah you know it it definitely feels like because like you know this is kind of the the hollywood scene of Mm -hmm. um like street performance especially like i feel like you know fred durst has probably met fans like this or similar to this so it's like it, it all makes sense. I do feel like there is a lot to be desired in terms of writing, but like just talking about Durst for a second, like it's directed well, like it, you mm-hmm. know, um, I remember watching free enterprise and thinking like there are things that they would talk about that they never cut away to. I was just like, like, I don't know what the hell they're talking about because they're just like, they're referencing this thing or like, they'll be like, oh, look over at that. And then they won't show what they're looking at. Like right. this, like, 
it's like that was an example of bad directing whereas this feels like you know everything everything looks good it looks like a professional quality movie um can we talk about uh, the uh, I, <laughs> the drawings that they used too because that was pretty cool yes yeah yeah that was interesting for sure i i found it very uh indicative of what i thought the tone um was gonna be you know when they introduce moose and kind of get into who he is as a person um, and right. then, of course, there's one at the end and one in the middle as well. So it's just it's right. really it's a, interesting. It's a nice act breaker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Can I tell you what this movie is really about, though? Um, is it about free enterprise? No. No. It's all about the he said, she said bullshit. Oh. Uh, uh, Hunter's in the car with his son and he's like, he turns on the radio he's like, yeah, this is Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Right. <laughs> this yeah, is the shit we listened to, to back in my day. <laughs> and I I watched this movie with Beth and I just I couldn't like neither of us could believe that this is happening. <laughs> Usually when like a musician turned director does a like you know like does a movie especially one of their first ones like they usually try to keep the music side out of it or if they do it's not like like they usually they'll make make new songs for the movie or something. Like no, he's just like, check this shit out, Limp Biscuit, bro. <laughs> now you listen here. If you're not rocking out to Limp Biscuit, you're not rocking out. <laughs> I like I spent the first half of the movie not knowing what to think about it. That was definitely because yeah. like, I think I was a little bit confused by how much I wasn't hating it. Um, sure, that makes sense. There were kind of like there were parts that I thought like oh this is kind of this is kind of funny like like there, there's the part where like uh, Moose is going through Hunter's house the first time when he's not there right um and he's like going through his fridge and he goes poor Danny all that money no ice cream <laughs> um, it's like I I like I kind of like I figured the movie would be cringy like but yeah. not in a good way but this one ended up uh actually kind of. Like, it, like, it uses it correctly. Like, the part where he starts brushing his teeth with, uh, with Hunter's toothbrush, like, it was, it was, it was quite a bit to take in. And, uh, right before that, though, we have the first kill of the movie, which was accidental. an accidental one. Mm -hmm, right. But, uh, again, like, just those lack of social cues, like, he doesn't really know how to respond to it. Like, he's like, oh, no, you're okay. And kind of walks away. Uh, when right. he uh, when he kills the maid, you know, um, we we know exactly where that comes from too, because uh, you know, as as the scenes progress and as Moose gets harassed not only by um Hunter, who he doesn't know he's also harassing, but um, he also gets harassed by his fellow street performers, and that yeah. climb. Um, leads to someone telling him, hey, you got to defend yourself. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. Someone's yeah. going to stand up for himself in a bad, bad way. So, yeah, mm. I mean, it it works perfectly to create that situation. It's not just that exactly. he yeah. doesn't know she's dead. It's that he doesn't even know how to react to her, like, acting that way. He thinks that he's being aggressed instead of being the aggressor. Right. But as things do escalate throughout the movie, we do end up with him breaking into hunter's house 
and like tying him down to the bed and like basically like, over and over again uh like taunting him with all these like horror gags um <laughs> i really thought the movie was going to end with uh him like being tied down to the bed because like the first thing he sees when he wakes up is he sees moose on the ground with a pool of blood next to his head i was like oh shit like i really thought the movie was just gonna end there right like it's a good fake ending i remember having like nervous laughter (laughs) for like a good couple minutes after that one (laughs) um he kind of keeps uh torturing him a little bit with all these things and um, eventually Hunter, like, Hunter convinces him to let him loose and fucking takes out a shotgun, blows his fingers off, like, right. like you know, kicks him down the stairs, uh, like, like his hearing, get, like, he, shoot, he shoots off next to him a couple times, his hearing gets damaged, and uh, fucking stabs him in the eye. I wrote at this point, like, this is honestly kind of tense and like man that eye stab was fucking brutal like yeah oh big time i just like i really liked even in that moment like how like this is something you wouldn't see in another movie like if that happened to somebody else oh they'd kill that fucker like right but i liked how human hunter was oh Um, big time he doesn't want to kill this guy i think that i think the ending ending was a little was a little mishandled. It's like, it's definitely not what I expected. Um, sure. But I, it's like, he, no, like he, cause he lets him go. And what should have happened was he should have fucking called the police. And then, you know, Moose just, you know, goes to jail. <laughs> like, right. It's a different kind of justice or lack thereof. Um, yeah. Strangely. Uh, cause he winds up being blamed for, uh, a murder and I, I don't think hunter says a word because the thing is he thinks that they're probably there for you know moose sure you know? yeah and, and i'm sure it gets cleared up at some point you know i'm sure that the the story's right. not over at this point but um you know what's strange is that moose walks away wounded um but alive and then yeah you know the the maid um you know, was discovered by the gardener. And so when they come and show up on his doorstep, Hunter's covered in blood, having just let Moose go. Nobody saw Moose. They just saw Hunter covered in blood. And they're like, well, yep, that's it. Logically speaking, you can definitely piece together that like, okay, well, it all gets sorted out eventually. But in, in a lot of ways, I don't know. I feel like some people probably need the like clarification yeah so it, it ended up it ended up kind of like i didn't i didn't like how it resolved i think that like seeing like the last shot being like moose kind of being carted away and like you know he just has like he has the ultimate signature basically he got stabbed in the, in the fucking face by the guy like right in one thing that was confusing for me i don't know if it meant anything to you or if it just felt um like a bookend but that last image, because there are three drawings, I think, and that last yeah. one was him basically being uh, held by an angel. And I wondered if that meant that he didn't live much longer than that. Did you assign I any think, meaning to it? or? I think that it just meant uh, that it was more so that, like, that was the girl narrating the story. Oh, okay. Um, and she's... And, like, that's just kind of... 
she's that's his a, angel. That's how he, yeah, exactly. Okay. And then, yeah, like he's, you know, he got to walk around looking like a fucking pirate. So, <laughs> right. Like he ended up being happy with it afterwards. Well, I mean, um, he's not getting another signature, so he better be happy with it. I don't know. Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, you know, as far as, well, I mean, you, like you said, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was yeah. going to be horrendous, and it, it certainly wasn't. Yeah, it, right. it was a surprise all the way through, but um, I can say for the most part, I enjoyed it. So yeah. um, it actually winds up being probably like a 7.5 for me. Wow. Yeah, um, just because it well, not only, I think, were my expectations so low that the surprise made me feel more open to it, but um, honestly, like you said, the characters uh, the characters were surprising. Uh, yeah. Surprisingly good in how human they were, how well they developed. Um, there were just certain things about it that really, really fit for this type of movie and despite the ending i mean overall i i think it's something that i enjoyed watching more thoroughly than the other two i can agree with that um yeah like i said i expected something much worse uh the story wasn't great but it was pretty well put together the performances were good um i would give it a 5.8 like, I definitely don't think it crosses... Like, I don't think I would watch this again. Oh, okay, sure. I feel like uh, people will be really disappointed in us for giving it a good score, but... I, I don't see why. I, I really don't. Because the thing is, it, it handled the one thing that I can see people being, like, the most upset about in the most responsible way it could. Without yeah. diminishing its... Uh, its factual role in the story. I mean, because the thing is, I, I think people probably have the most issue, take the most issue with this autos uh, autistic protagonist. I think it might be more so as well, like not only just taking on autism, especially, like, and people have problems with uh, actors who aren't disabled playing actors with uh, playing characters with disabilities. I don't really, most of the time, I don't really sit on that side. I I think acting is acting and, Precisely. you know, people should be able to, you know, for like, you know, to an extent, play whatever role they want. Um, there are definitely some cases where, I mean, like, I think, I think race is the one that you don't, <laughs> that you shouldn't cross. Yeah, you, but, you don't uh, typically cross race, I guess. And then, especially yeah. in live action. Like, right. that's, that's pretty much a no-no. But, um, the, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a problem with, with that sort of thing. And I, th I think it's like making, you know, making an autistic character a horror villain might be something as well. But I don't know. It's like, I mean, what are we just like, you know? If we have to portray, you know, everything with sensitivity, like, and listen, I'm not, I'm not one of these fucking, this PC culture we're living in fucking people, right? but the idea like, oh, so like no one can ever play a villain. Like, yeah, like an autistic character can never be a villain in a story. Like that's. It's um, ridiculous. An, an expectation that, like that, that is yeah. far-fetched. 
And you well, know, it's also it's also just like well, you're never so you're never gonna have any variety. You're never gonna have like right. You know, and again, like it's not that he's necessarily a bad person. No, like, that's the thing. It's just it's, it's a very this gray could story. fucking happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Because it's a very gray story. It's it, no one's evil in this story. No one. Yeah. No one. Uh, none of these people are evil. There are some who are more assholeish than others. Yeah. You know, let's take Todd for an example. But, right. I mean, overall, it's a story about shitty things happening to fucking people. That's it. Yeah. I mean, if that isn't life, I don't know what is. You know? Like, yeah. It, life is literally a story about shitty things happening to people. Every now and then, we, we, get, <laughs> right. we get a few scars we're happy with. Like Moose, you know, he's able to see the silver lining, finally. Um, but, you know... When, when we don't see it that way and when we don't look at it through a lens of optimism, um, the, the real hard truth is shitty things do happen to people and it brings out sometimes the worst in them. And sometimes it brings out the best. Yeah. Again, I think this movie did exactly that. Yeah. The, 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 the meaning of life is as long as you do it all for the nuki, you'll, you'll be okay. <laughs> Um, with that, <laughs> I guess that I guess that's it for this one. You're probably right. Um, I sincerely appreciate you coming on to my show. No problem. Uh, and I appreciate everyone listening. Um, you can also listen to us on our website at illuminationcinema.com. And uh, do not forget that our latest feature, Left Hook, is now available for purchase or for rent at vhx.com slash illumination and Vimeo on demand and Vimeo uh, that's right and Vimeo on demand and Amazon Prime you know what why don't you do it (laughs) (laughs) mister I know everything Uh, I guess last thing I have to say is uh, you know our next month's episode might be a little late uh, because they can't decide when they want to release uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, so Ooh, that's right. If it bleeds into April, I'm sorry. Blame Warner Brothers. Uh, anyway, folks, uh, also we'll see you later. See ya later. Thank you for listening to the Illumination Cinema Movie Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. For updates on this show and their other projects, get your parents' permission to go to IlluminationCinema.com. I figured laughing gas would be something I would encounter more in my life.
<laughs> I really haven't, though. I've been disappointed. Fair enough. That and, like, quicksand. Like, I figured those two would be things, like, man, I'd, I'd run into those, like, way more. Oh, they're yeah, such, you know, they're a big deal in cartoons. But... Well, yeah. I mean, the Joker, he has his own patented laughing gas, even. Exactly. Exactly. You know? I mean, how, how common must it be that you have to patent <laughs> your own? These are the things that eight-year-old David is thinking about. Like, wow.